Carter. I'm Eloa. And I'm Erin. And if you don't know three black bitches who love true crime, you do now. This is the I Ain't a Killer podcast. Welcome back, friends. Killer bees. What's up and up to? I'm sorry. I can't do it either. Why was that funny? Uh uh. Hey, y'all. Hey. Welcome back to another episode of I Ain't a Killer. And if it sounds like we're chewing, it's because we are. <laughs> we snacking. <laughs> they are. I'm not. What are these? Pecans. Carter, stay with this What else you got? <laughs> Please. <laughs> some bananas, some grapes, some chips. Okay. Uh, still got some of those spicy cheeses. I'm going to get some uh, grapes in a little bit. Okay. Bob <laughs> cool. and Wash picked off the stem and jarred. Wait, and do y'all say... Ooh. How do you say th- what this is? You say pecans. Mm-hmm. I say pecans. But what is the ice cream flavor? Butter pecan. Butter pecan. It's not butter pecan? Uh, that's not what I say. I oh, know. wow. <laughs> I, I never knew, like, why there's a difference. I never knew. Some people say it's, like, a southern northern thing. Some Maybe say, it is. I think it is. Thing, you know. Because I call these pecans, but then I say butter pecan, mm. and then pecan pie. When I used to serve, if I was in front of white people, I always said pecan because you're not finna be like, <laughs> you're not finna catch me. And then be like, oh, these niggas are so articulate. It's not finna be none of that. It's finna be the bitch know what she's talking about. <laughs> so yeah, no. Um, but then when I would go to black table, I'd be like, yeah, we got pecan pie. You know what I mean? So, right. It's also that. And maybe how it was introduced to you too. Because mm-hmm. I remember. When I first moved to Atlanta, I was 14 years old and I saw someone with kinky twists for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I love your hair. Like, what is that called? And she said, kinky twist. But it was because she had an accent. Mm-hmm. And that's how just she pronounced it. But I thought that they were called kinky twists. Oh no. <laughs> I like, went to my mom, I was like, I want a, I want kinky twist. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the fuck is that <laughs> turns out it's pizza so I say that to say maybe the first time you have butter how do you say it? pecan yeah that it just stuck maybe sounds so fancy pecan pecan that reminds me of it wasn't Kay that tried to I think Kay tried to convince me that it's pronounced kankalon do y'all say kankalon or kanekalon Kanekalon. Me too. I usually I used to say Kanekalon, but being around K, you got okay, to say so Kanekalon. <laughs> I'm like, are we sure, friend? I don't think it's Kanekalon. I mean, I really be just saying braiding hair. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> she'd be like, what? How you don't know this? I'm like, damn, I'm not a real bitch because I don't know shit about me. About- <laughs> she'd be re- regional as fuck. It did. We like that in Jersey. That's okay. True. That might be. I don't know. <laughs> just say something. Okay. Anyways. Um, but. All right. <laughs> What's going on with Crown? We know what's going on with Snacks. Right. right. <laughs> so, I forgot we were recording, to be honest. <laughs> um, this week's Current and Crown is pretty intense. So, if you pay fairly close attention to Crown, you probably know the story of the 10-year-old girl who shot the person that her mother was in a physical altercation with. 
That happened about two weeks ago. And there's an update to the story. It was updated today, today being June 8th. And the title is Judge Rule's 10-year-old charged with Orlando woman's murder will remain in detention. Um, Orlando police have arrested a 10-year-old girl, girl in connection to a Memorial Day shooting that left one woman dead. The 10-year-old girl, who WESH will not identify due to her age, was charged with second-degree murder and taken into custody Tuesday. She appeared in court Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. The judge ruled she will remain in detention, held for 21 days, pending a decision from the state attorney's office on formal charges. The attorney for the child wanted her to be released with an ankle monitor to her father, but the judge denied that motion. Police said the girl has been arrested for shooting and killing a woman who was fighting with her mother. Police say just before midnight on May 30th, two women were fighting in the courtyard between the buildings at the Windsor Cove Apartments on Mercy Drive. The women were identified as 31-year-old like. Larkisha S. Isaac, and 41-year-old LaShawn Denise Rogers. According to witnesses, Isaac punched Rogers at a barbecue at their apartment complex. I don't know, that was kind of funny to me the first time I did it. The woman punched back, hitting Isaac in the face. It's just the way they sold it out. It's like mm-hmm. they were physically fighting. That's all you had to say. Yeah. At some point, witnesses say Isaac took off her backpack and gave it up to her 10-year-old daughter. As the woman continued to fight, witnesses say they saw the girl rummaging through the backpack and heard a gunshot. The victim, LaShawn Rogers, fell to the ground with a gunshot wound to the head. Police said witnesses heard the girl then yell, you shouldn't have messed with my mother. Mm. Right? Rogers died. Both Isaac and her daughter were taken into custody. Isaac faces several charges, including not properly storing a firearm and manslaughter by culpable ne- negligence. It's unclear why exactly police chose to charge a 10-year-old in this case and what's next for her. On Tuesday, State Attorney Monique Oral called the case one of the most tragic she's seen in her entire career. Um, there's a statement here that you can read when we post this article, but the one quote I want to read, because this is the part that's of interest to me, is that, quote, I believe that the minimum age of arrest should be 14, and I believe very much and very strongly that there is a school-to-prison pipeline, then-candidate World said two, two years ago. Arrest, prison, jail, those are traumatic experiences that significantly scar children for their future, end quote. I'm shook because I'm just like, where where are you gonna put them? You can't put them in a a group a group home or not even that. Like, it's a ten year old. That's a baby. That's what grade are you in when you're ten? You're in fifth grade. Yeah, yeah, fifth grade. A fifth grade, maybe fourth grade if you're a little older. Yeah, that's wild. You're a baby, and I don't know why the um, ankle monitor wasn't like immediately approved right like yeah. like she's gonna go on a crime spree she doesn't even have access to the resources to go anywhere i feel like it should kind of fall under self-defense yeah like as a child you see your parent being attacked attacked mm-hmm. so you do what you can to help i mean the statement she made afterwards was a lot but yeah, yeah. um i mean i feel like at that age there's no way to to assume that they would know what like the consequences of shooting a gun at someone's head, right? Especially since the the parent handed the ten year old the backpack as if like, like hold my shit, right? <laughs> That's our shit. It's just I don't know. The whole thing is just musty to me, and I don't think that the kid should be in jail at all. I mean, I hate someone died, obviously, but that's that's a lot. That's a that's a baby, mm-hmm. like it is, and they're so right. Like that's going to inform the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. 
like even those 21 days, if she's let off after that, her being in detention or wherever they said she was going to be for that amount of time. Where are they even holding her? I don't know. And if y'all put her in juvenile, that's setting her up to be harassed. That's setting her up to be assaulted. Mm -hmm. She's a baby. She's a child. I can't even. A whole fucking child. Wow. And where, where was this? Um, because uh, it sounds in Florida. Yeah, I was just saying it sounds like one of those. Well, yeah, yeah, like, Orlando. Just, uh, yeah, that's so wild. I just I don't even know what to think of that because it's just like, yeah, it should have been the ankle, not even the ankle monitor situation. She's not a flight risk. She's right, a right, yeah, and that definitely needs to be. If anybody, if any quote-unquote criminal should be treated as a case that can be rehabilitated it should be a literal child 100 she should be in therapy i do, do yeah, no, absolutely. yeah that needs to be required i yeah. feel like that would be required therapy and constant i, don't, I mean well regular mental evaluations to mm-hmm. see how the right. situation is affecting her mm-hmm. but other than that i don't think it should be anything other than else. i mean she's already mm-hmm. gonna have to deal with her mom now going to jail mm-hmm and having to cope with the fact that she was the reason why somebody is now dead. Yeah. I feel like that's more than enough. I mean, to fully shoot someone in the head at 10 years old, just Ooh. that bitch, like the imagery. Yeah, she's never going to be the same for her life. That's so sad. I hope she is, like, after those 20 days, they're able to get her into a better situation. She can be with her dad. Um. Yeah, that's sad. I do not agree with that. Yeah. yeah, not at all. But it does make me wonder, since we do operate an, in a system where there are still prisons, unfortunately, like, what are the laws like here for, like, I guess, juvenile offenders? What, what do you even call them? But because um, we did that story with the girl from Canada, and, like, you can't be arrested unless you're 14. Mm-hmm. Right. And even then, it just looks incredibly different. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, I don't know. I guess I've never really heard anyone talk about it a whole lot. Yeah. Because I guess you just don't hear about a lot of 10-year-olds getting locked up. Well, I feel like it should be the same conversation that they give these white kids. That mm-hmm. their frontal lobe or whatever isn't fully developed. So mm-hmm. there's no way they can make a decision. Right. Um, an educated decision, I guess. But yeah. this is yeah, a little, little black girl. Yeah. So she must have meant it. Right. According to them. Oh, goodness. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That um, is very tough. Well, I'll be thinking about her. I'm sure. Hope it all works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely gotta keep keep up the source. We can update y'all too. That's a lot. Yeah, and I hope the family of the um, woman that died is doing okay as well. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness gracious! Well, all right. Hopefully, we'll have a, a follow up to that story. A good one. A good one. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back with the main story. There we go. Back at it again with the food sheet. I don't know what I'm saying. I knew that. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's an original. I'm about to fail another <laughs> black test. <laughs> no. <laughs> that should be hurting my feelings. Everybody know the lyrics. I'll be telling people I don't know. I'm like, I'll swear y'all say this. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> exactly. I'm still catching up. <laughs> right. I'm okay. the so. <laughs> so this story is a follow-up to the story that Aaron did last week. 
um, how a lot of the alphabet murders were tied to some of the perpetrators of the hillside, well, later the, the hillside stranglers. And yeah, of course, as per usual, the police are fucking trying. <laughs> but we're going to get into it. Uh, some trigger warnings, um, alcohol and drug abuse, uh, violence against women, um, also violence against, specifically violence against black women. Um, I always fumble on these damn triggers. Um, murder, of course. And if any other trigger warnings pop up, I'll definitely um, give some outside of this blanket warning for y'all. All right, here we go. So this is the story of the Hillside Stranglers, Kenneth Bianchi and Angel- Angelo Bono. So Kenneth Bianchi was born on May 22nd, 1951. What does that make him? You said May 22nd? Mm -hmm. Good Gemini. Yeah. Gemini. Okay. 1951 in Rochester. Um, His mother was described as an alcoholic and she was also a sex worker who gave him up for adoption two weeks after he was born. So he was adopted in August 1951 by Nicholas Bianchi and his wife, Frances uh, Schioliano Bianchi. So sorry, y'all, Italian. If we got some Italian listeners. This is heavily Italian. Italian Right. When I was listening, I was like, they just gonna have to to pay that shit (laughs) because y'all got slurs for us. I can't say y'all last names. We even. But... All right, y'all, we'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge cunt? Us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Balasone, a.k.a. The Drag Queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch. A gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big Cunty... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. On the big cutty couch. Mwah. <laughs> and that was their only child. So Bianchi was deeply troubled from a young age uh, with his adoptive mother describing him as a quote unquote compulsive liar from the time that he could talk. God damn. And I'm just like, from the time he could talk. Right. Like one of like first first words was a lie. <laughs> the sky's green, mommy. Like, no. I just I, yeah, I didn't fuck with that. I I, pers- I just have a soft spot for kids. Right. Even though this kid turned out to be a piece of shit later on. But like, I mean, but there's a really strong argument to be made there that like, have y'all ever heard of um, We Need to Talk About Kevin, either the movie or the book? Oh, I heard about that with um with the woman. Yeah. Yeah. So like, my thing is she clearly despised that baby. And mm-hmm. it's like, there's a part of her that believes that the baby was antagonizing her. But when you feel that way towards a child and you project that onto them mm-hmm. in ways that you don't even think they can notice, of course they're going to turn out shitty. Yeah, like, they act out. You've been treating them like they shitty forever. That's right? what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's why I said I have a soft spot for kids because I understand, like, I don't know, when you're a kid, you don't know shit. You don't right. know to hate your parents right. or to be evil or to be conniving or anything like Manipulation that. Manipulation takes foresight, which doesn't come until after a certain age. Exactly. So like, yeah. And I think they I think they say it on Morbid Podcasts, but they say, like, it's okay to feel bad for the child and hate the adult. Mm. Yeah, very much I like that. that. I yeah, like that because that's very much what happened here. I don't look for it. Um, 
So yeah, he was described as a compulsive liar. So she described a time when they went to the market and, you know, they did their grocery shopping. Everything's normal. He didn't act up in the store or whatever. They get out and just stuff starts falling out of his pockets. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's a, he's a kid. Like, uh, well, I think he lied about stealing or something like that. And I'm just like, girl, that's, I don't know. That's just kid shit. But uh, it's, it's whatever. I mean, I want to take them free vegetables home. Like, I don't right. know. Whatever you got in your pocket, that's just more shit for us. <laughs> um, so he would often fall into inattentive trance-like daydreams where his eyes would roll in the back of his head. Are they sure they weren't seizures? Yeah, so they... So, but... but you clocked that immediately. Me personally, I I was like, okay, he's dissociating. You know, I just oh, never knew he was possessed. <laughs> <laughs> we all got different. Because <laughs> I, I daydream like a lot. I dissociate a lot. So when I first saw that, I was like, okay, cool, I get that. And so from these symptoms, a, a physician diagnosed him with uh, petite mal seizures, mm-hmm. which is like mini seizures. Um, and he would also have uh, constant physical examinations by his doctors for a involuntary urination problem which caused him a great deal of humiliation. They also said that his mother would constantly check him for UTIs mm. um, because she was just like, d- what they described to sound to me like Munchausen's, Munchausen's by proxy, but they mm. never really called it that. It yeah. was just like, she was just like obsessed with him. She thought that he was like this, like a God, basically his miracle child, her miracle child. And like, she always thought that something was going to happen to him. He was going to get sick. So she was constantly checking him. But the um, psychologist in the documentary was saying that like, when you touch a kid too much, especially when you touch their genitals, whether it doesn't even have to be sexual, it could be medical. It could just be like, you know, for examination or whatever it over sexualizes and it over like stimulates the the kid's brain or whatever which causes like them to have you know sexual disorders when they get older yeah i was gonna ask how do you check <laughs> a child for uti yeah that's that yeah. Was gonna be my next question too I'm yeah like, she was literally like manually checking him mm-hmm. yeah and so that it's also speculated that she probably went too far and probably sexually assaulted him or mm. sexually assaulted him Yikes. um so yeah, I, and I thoroughly believe that after because uh, you you can't check a kid for UTI. They can tell you that they're uncomfortable, right? But yeah, you can't see you. anything. It's not like an STD or anything, right? Even in the mall. Um. So yeah, she would constantly check him all the time. So Bianchi had uh, many behavioral problems, and he was prone to fits of anger. Um, Francis responded by taking him to a psychiatrist a whole bunch of times, and he was diagnosed with passive aggressive personality disorder at the age of ten. Bianchi's IQ was measured at 116 at the age of 11, but despite his above average intelligence, he was an underachiever and he was moved twice from schools because he failed to get along with teachers, which to me, again, this is like, that doesn't sound like a disorder to me. It sounds like he's fucking bored. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Kids are like too smart for the material. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Put them in something else or figure out what they're good at and try to build them a skill or something. Yeah. These systems that just keep failing everybody. And then when they turn out to be fucking bananas, everybody, Oh, it's the, it's the kid. Something's wrong with them. That's a normal job. Right. Something wrong with the system. Right. Um, Francis described him as lazy and his teachers claimed that he was working below his capacity, which again, is like, okay, <laughs> so put him above his capacity. But right. wait, it is like testing kids for IQ. Is that like a dated thing? Cause I don't know my fucking IQ. I think it is a dated thing because IQ is related to eugenics anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. so-and-so has this mental capacity. So they're going to, they have the capability to do this. Yeah. I don't think there's a way you can measure like... 
I, don't, I personally don't think there's a way you can really measure intelligence because some yeah. folks are good at art. Some people are good at, you know, some mm-hmm. Right. So it's just, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it is getting very much 50s and 60s. <laughs> uh, so after Bianchi's adopted father died suddenly from pneumonia, pneumonia in 1964, um, the teenage Bianchi uh, refused to cry or show any other signs of grief. And after her husband's death, Frances had to work while Bianchi attended high school. And she was known for keeping him home from school for long periods of time. I don't like this. I yeah. don't like anything about the relationship. Yeah, no, me either. I, I hate it. And it's it, it reeks of like in like inappropriate like mm-hmm. sexual behavior or like emotional incest yeah. at, at best. Um, shortly after Bianchi graduated from Gates uh, Chili High School in 1970, he married his high school sweetheart, and the union ended after eight months. Supposedly, she left him without an explanation, and. To me, that just sounds like he was abusive. Right. Or she just got the fuck on. Um, so as an adult, Bianchi dropped out of college after one semester and drifted between a whole bunch of different jobs. And he, find, he finally ended up working as a security guard at a jewelry store. Um, so this gave him the opportunity to steal jewelry, which he would often give to his girlfriends or sex workers to buy their loyalty. Um, because of his petty thefts, he was always on the move, so he was like constantly bouncing around from city to city, which is how he ended up in LA. Okay, so Angelo, we're not on Angelo Bono. So he was born October 5th. I don't know. That is a Libra. Oh, okay. Uh, have we ever done a Libra killer before? I don't think so, but I think there are several of them. It's always like Gemini and like Scorpio and shit. Damn side. Please! <laughs> Not the side eye. <laughs> so we are the, the most fun. We're also very committed, so if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. You know? <laughs> Yo, keep doing it. Not So, Angela Bono was born uh, October 5th, 1934 in Rochester. Uh, the, he was first generation. He was the son to first generation Italian immigrants uh, from San Bono. Uh, Bono had developed an extensive criminal history, ranging from failure to pay child support, grand theft auto, assault, and rape. Is there another kind of theft auto? Is there like, like small graph theft auto? I don't. I was also grand. Right. Like if you if you steal a smart car, like is that like <laughs> right. smart theft auto? <laughs> if you steal a bike, like oh, like a motorcycle, is that petite theft auto? Like, <laughs> Please, not petite. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's, that's cute theft auto. But hey, man, this is you know. But yeah, I wonder. I never thought of it. Like so I think of it every time. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> um. So, yeah, in 1975, when Bono was 41 years old, he, um, he that's when he came in contact with uh, Bianchi. He was self-described as a ladies' man. and um, Self-described. So, so, you know, he was the farthest thing from. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and nobody calls anybody a ladies' man. And, and it's just not gross. Like, it's just always, it's always fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he persuaded Bianchi to join him in um, pimping out women, which we'll get to later. But, you know, just like talking about his time in L.A., him and his sons would go to Hollywood and then like flash badges at women and then like fake arrest them just for laughs. Oh, no. Like, yeah. Like he would terrorize like the sex workers in the area with badges or whatever. And they would just like laugh at it like as a joke or whatever. That's what they did as a pastime? 
Yeah. Abolish men. <laughs> because what? This is fun for you? Then really, actually, manhood needs to be discontinued, and y'all need to come up with some other shit, and then come up with, rewrite the Constitution, all that shit, because <laughs> this is not it. Like, this is not it at all, and it should never be. That should have never been passed. Oh, my God. Um, so, a little, just a little bit of background of him was pretty much all I could find. So, he got married at the age of 20, and then after that, he got married three more times. And they said that due to his brutality, they all failed. So, he was always known as, like, a violent, volatile personality. But he was also mm-hmm. known as, like, very charismatic. He wasn't a good, quote-unquote, good-looking man or, like, good looker. Mm-hmm. But he just was so charismatic, and he was just so energetic that, like, you know, bitches used to fuck that shit. Yes. So, um, he, they said he always used to, like, sleep with a lot of young girls, including his son's girlfriends. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> he's giving that feeling back in my throat. I'm just like, this is, that's disgusting. Ew. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So, now they met up after he moved to L.A., after Bianchi moved to L.A. in 1976. And, um, so Bono had like a whole bunch of fancy clothes, jewelry, you know, talking to women and stuff like that. Uh, Bianca was a little bit more reserved and he admired how Bono knew how to quote unquote put women in their place. Kenneth um, tried to get on with the LAPD, but he was rejected by two different departments. Which, Damn, you know you fucked that's up. That's what I'm saying. When the cops don't want to. Because they usually love a creepy, scheming ass bully. And right. if you see him like... Uh, when we post pictures on Instagram, you look at him, or and you can see he has the look of a cop. Like to me, he had yeah. that whole like. He, you can see like, oh, his officer Bianchi. Like I could just see him being named that with the thick ass mustache and like, Hell, you yeah. know, I pulled you over. Like it just, it's yes. given that. You yeah. Know? And he wasn't. Like, I mean, sure. unfortunately, he's not a bad looking dude either. So it's just like I don't know that classic like Kelso hair, mm-hmm. like you know that whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I don't. If you got rejected by two different departments, nigga. Right. And you white? I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. They should just lock him up. Like, <laughs> you need to a car in here. On the spot. <laughs> like, that should be the crime right there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah. So, Bianca started to get in on, like, going around town with uh, uh, Bono to go around um, terrorizing women with the badges or whatever. And so... They uh, started working together to pimp women in late 1977 as a form of income. So they was like, okay, we ain't got no money. Let's run some girls, take the money, and keep it that way or whatever. So they ran, and in, in the process of doing the whole thing with the badges or whatever, they ran into two teenage runaways, Sabra Hannon and Becky Spears. And when they met them, um, they quote-unquote got them under the control and uh you know force them to do sex work for them or whatever uh eventually after a while of doing that spears got spooked and she met up with a lawyer named david wood and when he heard about her situation he arranged for her to escape the city so she dipped and then after that uh saber um saber hannon like saw that and was like okay cool i need to get the fuck out of here too like she got inspired by that and then she ended up leaving. So now they didn't have any income, whatever, from that they were getting from pimping or whatever. So they had to find more teenage girls. And so um, they go around town impersonating police officers again. And then they eventually run into someone else who um, gives them a list of tricks or um, trick list, as they call it. And um, the prostitute was named Deborah Noble. But then she 
ended up bringing along her friend Yolanda Washington um, to give them the list. And this is the end of 1977. Yolanda Washington ended up being the first victim. Mm-hmm. So now we're onto the women. Um, and this is what's, uh, I guess, like this is like where when the spree started to happen. It happened at a, uh, between a very short amount of time. It was 10 women between the course of uh, November 77 and like January 79. Like it was not a very long mm. time at all. Like the uh, spree was like very short. So around this time, like Coke, that's when Coke started to get real big. Disco was huge. The nightlife was huge in LA and things like that. And this was a time when like the women's movement was uh, like, I think like on a second wave or whatever. And they said like women were liberated and things like that. But sex workers specifically were not liberated. Like they didn't see them as people. Sex, uh, sex workers couldn't talk to the police and like tell them shit that was going on in the area mm-hmm. or whatever. So this is around the time when like they didn't really take shit serious when people started turning up missing. So Yolanda Washington was 19 years old. She was a black woman who did sex work and who uh, that's where they got the trick list from. And she was found nude on a hillside after being released from jail for sex work. So, you know, she had talked to her caseworker or whatever. They were surprised that she was there. They was like, okay, cool. We'll get you set up after you get out of jail. And after she got out of jail, she never called the woman back. So then they, that's when her body ended up turning up. And she was the first one to be associated with them. Um, she had been tied up and strangled. And then very shortly after that, they ended up finding Judy Miller, age 15, in Glendale. And then they found Lisa Caston five days later. So they looked at the body side by side with, at the morgue and they said that it looked like their bodies came from a Xerox machine because of the similarities. So they knew that whoever had killed Lisa Caston had also killed Judy Miller when they looked at the, the scars side by side. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if I made that look confusing. <laughs> no, 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 because I was wondering, like, did the women look similar or did the injuries look similar? Yeah, the, in, yeah, the injuries look similar. Uh, so, uh, injuries. Sim- similar Damn. with the ligature marks and things like that. So uh, Christina Weckler, she met Kenneth because she was one of his neighbors. She met him through, like, some, like, neighbor committee or, like, neighbor meeting or something like that. And she described him in her journal as a used car salesman. Um, was he really, or he just gave that? No, he wasn't really. He was just like that's just his attitude. She just thought that I he understand. was like purposely like right. trying to charm her and things yeah. like that. Um, like the dad from Matilda. Oh, ew, yeah, just Gross. like his. Oh my fucking god, disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when they found her journal, um, they said that she was um, a loving and young and serious young woman who could have had a bright future ahead of her. And she was a student at the local uh, art school. And they found her on a hillside, again, between Glendale and Echo Rock. Um, when found by the detective, they found, again, the ligature marks that were on her wrists, ankles, and neck. And when he turned her over, she had bruises on her breasts, which were obvious. And um, she had blood all over her body as well. Uh, unlike the first three victims, there were two puncture marks on her arms but no signs of needle tracks and that indicated that she was a drug addict. Uh, later on in the autopsy, it was revealed that those two puncture wounds came from uh, her being injected with Windex. What? Windex. Yes. What so does that do? Torture. So 
So this is when this is when torture is introduced in the MO. Because up until this point, it was just ligature marks. It was just like, okay, they had been tied up and strangled and they had been sexually assaulted, obviously. Right. But when they later off ended up finding out that this was Windex, that's when they're like, okay, cool. So torture is also a part of the MO. And this is something that they have to look out for. What the fuck? Um, at some point in... Um, Early 19, November 1997, November 1977, uh, the two men approached 24-year-old Catherine Lore Baker. She was the daughter of actor Peter Lore. Uh, he's famous for his role in a movie called M um, Frit, by Fritz Lang. Are you familiar with it? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was famous in the 70s, yeah, that's what I'm saying. it was already old. <laughs> I had never heard of it. Yeah, they say he was like super, uh, super famous or whatever. Um, and they wanted to, they were going like, to kidnap her or whatever, and they were going to kill her. But then they found a picture of her sitting on her father's lap. And they were like, oh, shit, like, she's that famous actor's daughter. Like, we can't do this. Or it's going to bring us, like, too much notoriety. So they let her go. Wow. Thank goodness for that picture. Yeah, no, for real. Um, and then later that same day, um, the corpses of Dolores Cepeda and Sonia Johnson were found. On I think this is in, yeah this is November nineteen seventy seven yeah November twentieth nineteen seventy seven so they got on the bus at Eagle Rock, uh, Rock again on Colorado Boulevard and the last time that they were seen getting off the bus was at New York Boulevard and North Avenue forty six approaching uh, they said that witnesses said they saw a two tone sedan and it reportedly had two men inside and then um, later on that day their corpses were found by a nine-year-old boy who had been treasure hunting in a trash heap. No. Smith in Dodger oh, Stadium. That is so innocent. Yeah. Mm. Evelyn Jane King was discovered three days later. Um, she was an aspiring actress, and she had gone missing um, some 10 days prior, 10, 12 days prior. Um, she was discovered in the bushes, off-ramp uh, the Golden State Freeway. And so she had... She had decomposed so badly that they couldn't determine whether or not she had been raped or tortured. So they weren't able to label her like along with the other bodies that they had found with the MO. But they did notice that she had been strangled. Um, So that's when the authorities started to create a task force. Uh, It initially had 30 officers from the LAPD. And then this is when they labeled the killer the Hillside Strangler. And so because of that label, that's when they started to, like, get emboldened. Like, that's when it was like, okay, cool, now this is a game. So now they're going to, like, start fucking with the police and start fucking with the press and stuff like that. And the thing is, I know, like, in the true crime world, we feed into it a little bit. Like, we call them by their names. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's so dangerous that, that, like, police force and the media does that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these serial killers or murderers, like, they want that notoriety. And like you said, giving them a name makes them feel like, oh, Mm -hmm. shit, like, people are watching me. Let me, like go harder or whatever like the night stalker right that's one of the coolest names like yeah that's what i'm saying because that story is absolutely fucking awful awful but like that's not like a biker name like yeah like like a action movie or something like the night stalker and like now they're infamous and like people are going to talk about them and it's just Mm -hmm. like it feels so backwards while they're still actively out there right like maybe wait till they're already like caught yeah (laughs) i don't know i mean i think i'm I vote we just give them shittier names. Yeah, like, no. call them heinous monsters. Right, like, the accurate 
things. Ugly motherfucker. Right. Or it's like that story you did where they were trying to like they were trying to emulate the popularity of the American serial killer or something like that. Like yeah. They imported this idea mm-hmm. that like they're superstars or they're rock stars or something. Right. Instead of exactly. Yeah, because Night Stalker definitely does sound like a cool like vampire right. like, kind of deal. It's like, no, they're not cool. They use this shit. But, um, um, my bad, I lost my place. Okay, so now we're on um, November 29th, 1977. Police found the body of 18-year-old Laura Lauren Ray Wagner. She was a business student in San Fernando Valley. And there were also burn marks on her hands. And, um in addition to like the ligatures around her hands and feet. And this indicated that she was tortured. So it was later revealed that these marks came from electrocution. So mm. they made her hold onto a wire and then they kept like plugging it into the wall and like unplugging it and then plugging it into the wall. Lauren's parents had expected her to come home before midnight. And the next morning when they found her car parked across the street with the door open, her father questioned the neighbors. And they found, he found that the woman who lived in the house where Lauren's car was parked had seen her abduction. And she heard Wagner say, you won't get away with this. You won't get away with this, like, during her abduction. And, and I'm just like, she didn't did she do anything? Nothing. Really? She literally didn't do anything. Literally. See, at that point, if you, why, okay. When the dad came over asking me questions, I would have said I didn't see nothing or anything. How are you going to admit that you witnessed that you witnessed child be abducted and you didn't do anything? Because the first thing I would have done was call the police and then run over to your house and be like, your child just was abducted. Yeah, like and also uh, if I if I was too scared or whatever to say anything, I would just take that to the grave. Like that's something you really got to take to the grave because like. As the parent, like I'm gonna go figure out what happened to my child, but best believe I'm gonna circle back and beat the <laughs> and I'm gonna get you. <laughs> right, you saw it, and you didn't scream, you didn't alert the neighbors, nothing, like nothing at all. Nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on December 14, nineteen seventy-seven, the body of seventeen-year-old sex worker Kimberly Diane Martin um, was found naked and showed signs of torture. Was found in a deserted lot. But this was the one that let them know that, like, okay, now they're fucking with us. Because where she was placed, she was placed, like, on this hillside. And it was, like, they have pictures of all this, like, in the documentary. But, like, she was placed on this hillside, like, fully spread eagle to face, like, downtown Los Angeles. Wow. It was, like, basically, like, she's looking over the city or whatever. And it was just, like, at this point, they were, like, okay, so since they labeled them the hillside strangler, now we're about to show you, like, a hillside killer. Like, right. So they keep finding them, like specifically on hills instead of in bushes or like you know on the side of the road or whatever um so the body of the final um the body of the final victim i'm sorry this isn't this wasn't their final victim this is just how she was labeled when i looked her up um her name was cindy lee hudspeth and she was a student and a part-time waitress she was found in her trunk they had parked the car um on the side of the road and her corpse again showed ligature marks and she had been raped and tortured um bianchi had arrived at so i'm sorry i said that wrong so she came to bono's upholstery shop so he um would like um do upholstery and then she came in at closing time and then at that time bianchi and bono went off and like had a private conversation and they decided to each other they're like okay cool she's about to be our next victim 
And because they abandoned her car, and it, it, I think it ended up like flipping on the embankment or like some some kind of way, the car ended up getting fucked up. So they were like, okay, well, how did they escape the? Well, how did the the killer escape the scene? And this is how they figured out that like, okay, there was another car, so there was another person. So now they now they're thinking like, okay, it's two people. Because mm-hmm. up until this point, they just they're hillside stranglers. So like now it's like the hillside stranglers. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they kind of ended up like started to go downhill, and they started fucking up. So in uh, nineteen seventy nine, this is actually their final victims. Uh, Karen Mandick, uh, she's a part time employee, and she was a student at the. Um, she worked at the shopping center where Bianchi worked as a like security guard or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he gave her a card with his name on it and was like, oh, I got an opportunity for you. You can earn $100 if you could just, you know, spare a little bit of time and then like house sit this property over here on the Bayside area or whatever. Um, while this uh, security alarm was being like uh, repaired and then he was like supposed to take her somewhere. So she accepted and she intended to bring her roommate, who was Diane Wilder, along with her. Um, Karen was 22, Diane was 27. And Karen, um, you know, she swore to secrecy. She was like, I'm not going to tell your boyfriend. She didn't tell him about the job offer or whatever. Um, But then she told him and then he was like, I don't know about that. Like, that Mm -hmm. shit sounds fucking sketchy. You shouldn't, you know, like, don't do that. Um, he, she told him about the setup or whatever. He tried to keep her from going. He tried to like, you know, persuade her not to go. And she tried to reassure him that like, everything's cool. Like it's all going to be handled or whatever. Um, he works for security. It's all going to be handled by the company. Like it's fine. Um, um, and they're a well-known respected company or whatever. So like, there's basically no chance of like this going wrong or whatever. So on the evening of January 11th, uh, Karen left the job. And then she went to go pick up Diane at the rental house and then drove to meet Bianchi at the Bayside property. Kenneth took Karen down to the basement of the house under the pretense of needing to show her something. And while following behind, following behind her down the stairs, he strangled her. And afterwards, Diane uh, went through the same thing. He uh, did the same thing to Diane. Um, Afterwards, Bianchi put their bodies in the back of Karen's Mercury. Um, and deserted it a mile away uh, in a cul-de-sac in um, a uh, nearby neighborhood. So when cops found this card on them, they immediately went to go pick him up. And the license plate revealed that he lived two houses down from the victim, Kristen Weckler, and he stayed across from Hudspeth. Oh, damn. Yeah. So... At this point, they're like, okay, we got him. We just need more evidence to be able to get him, like, mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to keep him. Because, I mean, all at this point, it's all circumstantial. Right. Um, so, in custody, psychologists put him under hypnosis. And during the hypnosis, you can kind of see him go off into, like, all these different personalities. There was one that was, like, very, very soft-spoken. And there was one that was, like, super, super innocent. And then the other personality was, like... You think I give a fuck about killing a broad? I mean, nothing to me. It's just like going in, like being all extra charismatic, smoking cigarettes and standing up and like being all up in people's faces or whatever. And so this is because like back then, like an insanity plea meant that you could get off like completely. Yeah. Like you could just walk. 
So he was pretending to have DID? Yeah. So he started like, yeah. Okay. So, so at first psychologists believed him. They really did want to believe him, but the cops wasn't ever buying it or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> they did like an examination or whatever of all of these different personalities. And then it was, it, they ended up concluding that he was faking. So it was like, okay, you did this shit. So what you going to do? And so he played guilty. So it's <laughs> like, all right, all right. So Y'all got me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, why didn't he try a little harder or try to go on trial? Right, like I don't fucking know. But yeah, so then, so why I, I don't I don't think he was under hypnosis when he did this, but when he came out of the evaluation, he was like, okay, cool, I did it, and I had a party, and then told on Bono, and then started singing, like going, you know, one by one, talking about how like whenever they would like approach a victim or whatever, uh, Bono would like give him like a little sign, a little smile or whatever. That's and when he shit. yeah and when he did that that's how they knew that like that was going to be our next their next victim because like they agreed on it or something like that it was really fucking weird um so yeah they uh immediately went to go pick up bono and because because bianchi had pled guilty part of his leniency was that you know like he'll give his full testimony about what happened or whatever and so bianchi was the only one that ended up having to go to trial so at the conclusion of Bono's trial in 1983, um, the chief justice said, I would not have the slightest reluctance to impose the death penalty in this case were it within my power to do so. Ironically, although these two defendants utilized every form of legalized execution against their victims, the, def- the defendants have escaped any form of capital punishment. So currently, Bianchi is serving a life sentence at the Washington State Penitentiary penitentiary in Walla Walla and Bono died of a heart attack um, on September 21st, 2002 at California State Prison Mm, where he was serving a life sentence. And so during this time um, in 1980, they met a woman named Veronica Crompton. Um, She basically, she was supposed to strangle somebody while they were locked up to make it look like the killer was still out on the loose. Bitch, I know you fucking lied. Yeah, Wait, no, I know, I know this story. She was, yeah, so she strangled somebody to know, make yeah. it look like, and then he passed a condom full of semen to her through like a, the, in a book or something like that. And, and yeah, in the spine of a book, she's supposed to take the book and she was supposed to like plant it on the victim and make it look like she was raped. And she was supposed to make it look like the killers were still out on the loose or whatever. But they ended up catching her, and then she ended up getting locked the fuck up. She was wow. also... This is where I know her from. So she was also connected to the Sunset Strip Killer. Like, I think she's one of those people who are, like, enamored by... Sarah Like, yeah. Oh, shit. Wow. Ooh. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, I put that... Yeah, I put her name in my notes, but I don't know why it didn't copy over. She might be an interesting one to do, like, I don't know how we um, are going to flesh out, like, our Patreon or something, mm-hmm. but, like, do, like, a mini story on her, because yeah. I think she's connect- She's connected to this and then that, and I want to say another one. I'm going to read her blonde. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she was later convicted and imprisoned for attempting to strangle a woman she had lured to a motel in an attempt to have authorities believe that the hillside strangler was still on the loose. And the wrong man was imprisoned. While incarcerated, incarcerated, Bianchi had smuggled a semen-filled condom to her in spite of a book to use to use to make it look like the rape slash murder committed by the Hillside Strangler. 
and she was released in 2003. Was it his semen? Because that's don't like they don't make no right. guess, right? That's but it, it was the 70s and the 80s, so it was like maybe they just didn't have they didn't know yet. nothing about DNA, so they were like, okay, how are you gonna trace it back to me? So is the thought process like they're gonna think the hillside stranglers are still out there, so we must be innocent? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was it happened again, so. But yeah. it's like, y'all got all this other evidence, and they found your car on the victim. And Bono was, or you said that you were guilty. Yeah, yeah. Say? I already snitched, so it's just like... On yourself. Doing? I don't know. None of that made any sense. I can't imagine being that press behind dick in general, but, like, serial killer? Like, you're obsessed with a serial killer to the degree that you will go out and commit a murder? I mean, I guess that does make sense. If you're also a murderer or have the capacity to murder i don't know That's yeah no i just it's somebody too, you even had sex with it's too much dick out here for you to do that like dick first of all dick ain't that fire right like for you to be going to jail for not like, forever yeah yeah no and then i go to jail for a little while though you smuggled a condom out of a prison to make it look like it was them you couldn't have thought that that was gonna work right that there's there's no possible way that this gonna work like that um, makes sense but yeah that is the completely ridiculous story of the Hillside Stranglers. Well, they are awful people. Um, I knew the name. I did not know the full story. But that one deck shit really got me. I'm like, yeah, what no. does that do? Like, how is that even a satisfying form of torture? Like, I hate to ask it that way. But, like, like what? That's just That just feels so, like... I don't know. It gives... It, it, it's like, it gives, like burning ants under a magnifying glass like and that's literally what i was about to say i think it it, it kind of has that feeling of like you know when kids just be trying shit like that's kind of how which makes it creepier yeah yeah it is it's like because i mean and i don't want to give anybody any ideas but if you're trying to do something like that you would do like bleach yeah, or yeah. actually inject them with drugs like yeah, why right. so, yeah and yeah terrifying yeah, because they just wanted to see what would happen. I think that's what makes it scary. right. Yeah, they, just they was like, to mm. see. it could have been the worst thing in the world. They just wanted to see how it was gonna play out. Like, Ooh. yeah, and like listening to the story and um how they um how they killed the beginning mm-hmm. of the victims. Mm-hmm. It kind of does line up with um the alphabet murders. Yeah, and that's and th- with them being involved, like both of them being involved in these that. That just confirmed for me that multiple people did the alphabet murders. If yeah. not, if they weren't involved, like there was definitely multiple people. I feel like that tracks, like yeah. especially when you said the throwing out of the car thing, that yeah. definitely tracks. But I mean, I see why he was a serious suspect because it lines up with what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. And that's such a weird connection too, from Rochester to LA. Right. And then the time that they left, because the, the, what do you remember the years of the ABC murders? Because... He left there in like what seventy six, seventy. I think that lines up with what it was. So it's almost like he was escaping or something. Or he knew like he was about to get caught, or shit was just getting too hot, and he needed more city. It's also like I wonder because the toolbox killers was that that was another episode that I did, Mm -hmm. and it was another pair, Mm -hmm. and they kind of worked off of each other. Like I feel like if they didn't have one another, they wouldn't have done what they did. Yeah, it sounds kind of similar with these two. Yeah. Yeah, so. I don't know. Either it, both of them were in the alphabet murders, or one of them. One of them, and he had somebody else. I don't know. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Both of them being from Rochester is too too coincidental. It just, that doesn't. It's wild up there. <laughs> Wasn't there the, an, there was another suspect from the 
alphabet murders. Mm-hmm. That was also wild. Maybe I'll Joseph Nassau. That's his name. He was. That was an interesting story too. Okay, maybe I'll do him next week. No one have the trifecta and really flush And then we can figure it out. Right. (laughs) Somebody pass me a legal pad. (laughs) On the case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get away from here, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well. I'm glad that one nigga did. Yeah, no. Right. Bye. I don't give a fuck. I mean, it seems like I mean, I know you went into the victims, which I really appreciate that. I feel like a lot of the stories don't focus on the victims. And it seems like this, I mean, it seems like the case like happened and then ended. Yeah. Like you said, all the murders and stuff were over like a year and a half. And then they very quickly found them. Like, I mean, if it's anything, at least it happened quickly. Yeah. They were able to fit so many in. That's what I'm saying. It feels like they were like frantic or like manic or something. Right. Like, but you would think that would make them make more mistakes. Right. It really doesn't sound like they made any major mistakes mm-hmm. until the end of their run, which is that security card yeah. with his whole ass name on it. Like, they where find him. Right. <laughs> and then they ran his license plate, found all of his past addresses, and they're like, ooh, look at how close he is to all, to all these people. Makes no sense. None. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you wanted to get caught. Hey. That's like a whole other thing. So. Right. Yeah. I feel like if I felt strongly that I was desiring murdering people in that way, I feel like this is a weird thing to say, but if I were a serial killer, I would be one that would want to get caught. You know what I mean? Or, but I, don't, I wouldn't get to that place, I don't think, because I would seek help. Like yeah. Someone yeah. should. Yeah. yeah. But... Yeah. Also, just, I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, obviously there are black serial killers, but the ways in which I'm a nigga, like, I can never, right. I can't even fathom getting away with that shit. Right. Like, pulling up on somebody at nighttime, kidnapping them, like, nobody Listen. saw me. No, and that's something that you mentioned no. in, in the last one, the alphabet murders. You were like, it doesn't make sense that somebody would get into the car with somebody that mm-hmm. isn't comf- like isn't familiar. Yeah. So as a black person, I mean, this is terrible to say, but I feel like at least all the serial killers that I know about that are black, mm-hmm. they also have black victims. Yeah. Um, because it, black kids or black people aren't going to... I'm not going to get in the car with a random white man. Yeah. I mean, you have more safety in your own community. Right. And the only reason why they even felt compelled to be around, because they be flashing these badges. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, they were saying around this time, like, people was taking, like, self-defense classes, and they even, like, they even encouraged women not to stop, like, if a cop would, like, pull you over. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of that before, Mm -hmm. where they'll, like, say you should drive to, like, the closest police station Mm -hmm. to Uh verify if it's a real cop trying to pull you over. Yeah. I mean, that, it sounds good until you're black and they shoot you. Right. Through the window. Right. So, run your whole ass car. Listen. This be a cry. Alright, we back. We laughing. What huh? Okay, we back. Okay. We back for real. <laughs> okay, um Nick so, Cannon confirms he has multiple babies on the way this year. <laughs> so like I said, when we was off the record, niggas do this thing when they like feel like they about to go to jail or they about to die or the relationship's about to end or whatever, where they skeet it up. Like, shoot up, they shoot up the fucking club because it's like, you know, they got to have their legacy 
be, you know, fulfilled or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I'm not a man. I don't I don't know how niggas think that's gonna, you know, continue their bloodline or their kingdom or whatever the fuck that you're thinking about. I I don't know. That's what it, it's giving. It's yeah. giving like, you know, especially since when people have money, I feel like it gives them like this kind of God complex or like king. Com- I don't mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a king complex, I don't think. I'm just making shit up, y'all. Please don't come for me. <laughs> but like people with power or I don't know, people who see themselves as like the continuation of a bloodline or whatever, when something bad is about to happen to them, I feel like as a survival mechanism, they're like, okay, cool. Let me make as many kids as I can before I got to get up out this bitch. Y'all going to remember me. Like, I'm going to be epic. That type of shit. And so, I, and knowing Nick Cannon's health issues, I think that something has happened to him or he's been told something or maybe he's having like a feeling or something like that and he's like okay mm. cool I gotta do whatever I can to make as many kids as possible to repopulate the earth yeah, to yeah. Repopulate. Yeah. the and, whole thing single handedly and it's gonna be like a million cans when I leave up out of here to replace me I wonder cause didn't he have a kid recently pass away mm-hmm. he did so I'm I, I mean I don't understand the correlation but mm-hmm. maybe that has something to do with it like why he's continuing to have all these babies so if that had been his I don't know because it was already his reputation right to do that before <clears throat> yeah because I think that was like his seventh or his eighth kid who died Jesus. Yeah. and which was genuinely mm-hmm. so sad my my whole thing about it is just what is his intent like as a man parenting through all of those households, like, do they have an agreement? Like, you're not really going to be involved like that. I'm over here with my, I don't know, like we, we actually lesbians and you can just be the sperm donor type of thing. Like, or you can, cause I don't understand how you can co-parent nine kids. It's very, I don't know. Not Niggas be wanting to fight about this take, but you cannot. You no, know, it's impossible. It's it is, incredibly difficult to parent in two separate households it's incredibly difficult to parent when you only have one child and you just don't live in that house mm-hmm, like right. there's just like how? and then and then they're not even talking about like the kids potentially having relationships with one another mm-hmm. right yeah also i mean they're that. siblings and also they probably that. don't even know i mean i don't know and how they probably live all over the country right i mean it would still give like misogyny one penis policy if he moved all of them into the same mansion so they could like all live together but i think that would be better than hopping from house to house woman to it woman would make more sense to me honestly yeah if it was more of like a sister wife type and since yeah. they all seem to be like cool right because ain't nobody came out and said oh nick cannon ain't shit and he really mm-hmm. dogged me on i can't stand that nigga Which exactly wow to me i mean he probably he probably be fucking putting in that work he probably be dicking dicking them down and then he'd be giving them fucking enough like way more than enough money to take care of his kids and i know he must and when i think about it like i don't think i don't think wealth and then think nick cannon but he's been working since we was like two years old his oh, net worth yeah. his net worth is 60 yeah. million yeah holy shit he took over um at one point he didn't own Nickelodeon, but like he became yeah. like partner in the organization. Growing right. up, I thought that he owned Nickelodeon, and that's why it was called. Nickelodeon. They, oh, that's so that's cute! Funny. <laughs> but he's also so. There's something like obviously, I find this behavior really disgusting, gross, and weird on its own. But it's like worse to me, like compounded with the fact that I know he's anti-choice, mm-hmm. and he made a whole song with it and sang it with his chest, made a music video, and everything. Like we was gonna be like, yeah. Like, um, yeah no that's gross and then they're also what? like 
He only gets women pregnant when they lighter than a paper bag, which is weird. When they what? When they're lighter than a paper bag. Oh wow! So yeah. it's just like yeah. it's either like they're very light skinned or they're non black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just <laughs> if I was Mariah Carey, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, damn, I'm not cute. I kind of live like, for her not saying anything. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. She's like that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. But um, I. I at least got to give it a citation or whatever, strictly because it's very colorist that you getting, I don't know how many women, let's say like at least seven or eight pregnant back to back. And they all got to be super, super light skinned, I guess, like to combat what you think is ugly about you. Like right. mm-hmm. when niggas do shit like that, like that's, it's always giving the same thing. Same with thing with Lil Wayne and how he was like, oh, what her name would be the last dark skinned child I ever had. You- that shit. Oh my God. I forgot about that. That was a I, wild time. I would be hurt if my fucking daddy said some shit like that about me. And more than hurt. He said like, that about Regina? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, that's the last dark skinned child I'll have or whatever. And then on top of that, like being a light skinned person and then knowing he said that, knowing he said that shit. Is still having a kid by him, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I'm not. I mean, I'm. Some people will say I'm like, can some people will say that I'm, then I'm not. But I don't know. I feel like if I knew a nigga said some shit like that, I would not get pregnant by him, let alone date him. No, absolutely. just because I don't even want to be in that position to be like anybody's preference or anybody's like I don't know weird kind of I mean we already just don't share values. Life like if baby you maker, walk yeah. up to me and say some weird shit like. This, that has happened to me where this guy was like, yeah, I love red bones. Uh, some, some, some. I was like, you can stop right there. <laughs> no, thank you. That's all I need to hear. Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Cause you're never gonna, I don't know. If, if that's your preference, you're never going to treat them as a person. You always want to treat yeah. them as like, I don't know, like an oven to like pop out your idea of looking kids. Right. And then what happens when you have a brown skin or dark skin child? Oh, right. My God. Listen, then they get neglected like fucking true. She'll never be, she'll never be in none of the social media. <laughs> you talking about uh, Chloe's skin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. And when all the biracial kids be getting all kind of press and memes and right. shit. Yeah. Bitch. It's because true got too like. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here. Y'all Wrong podcast. If y'all want to talk about the Kardashians, we can start a new podcast. Right <laughs> Same, right? <laughs> but, um, I definitely call it a crime. I sentenced him with a vasectomy and all his money needs to be willed away to his children immediately. Please. Thank I you. second that. I second that motion. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's mm-hmm. a that's a great bill you put together real quick. <laughs> right? And we closed the Nick Cannon chapter. <laughs> right. Please, God. Please. We are asking desperately. Just don't send no more kids to this nigga. Bro. Right. <laughs> Cause he having babies with bitches that don't send them back, and I just needed to stop. <laughs> like that's too much. Oh my god! All right, what's next on it? Who else was we gonna talk about? Uh, so we had the let's choose between Burger King or this dead cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's pride. Let's do something for pride. Okay. okay. So. I'm sure if you have access to the internet at all, you have seen the ad that came from a Burger King in Austria as a part of their Pride campaign, which features two Whoppers, one with two top buns and one with two bottom buns. (laughs) 
That shit don't make no sense. It's for same bun loving folks. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I I saw it on Twitter. I have seen it a million and one times. I thought it was pretty funny, to, personally. <laughs> but apparently, um, people are actually upset. Um, I was going to read a couple quotes from an article that I found from the New York Post. Um, so one, first and foremost, Burger King Austria is a part, like, is an official, like, pride partner mm-hmm. in Austria. So it's not like they just came out of nowhere doing this. Oh, okay. I mean, it's still, like, pink washing, but, you yeah. know. And uh, a couple of people said Burger King Austria made a pride burger that's either two tops or two bottoms. One in straight hell, which I thought was funny. And I also think it was a joke. So I don't know if we can call that slamming Burger King. But then someone else said, um, what a strange advertisement. I'll take my Whopper with a regular bun because ordering fast food doesn't need to be a political statement for me. <laughs> That's real. And then another one. <laughs> this one was funny. Burger King could have taken advantage of Pride Month to give us pretty patties, but they decided to stoop to stale sex jokes instead. Aw, <laughs> pretty patties. Oh, the Sugar Factory sells those. Really? They have, like, rainbow burgers. I've heard they're disgusting. So oh. Okay. All you gotta do is just add a little food color to them. Yeah, so apparently they just suck at making burgers in general. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, I didn't, I didn't think this was that big of a deal. I don't think it's anything to get outraged over. I just feel like, I feel like at worst, it's something to roll your eyes at. Like, okay, here come the corporations with the jokes right. and all that shit. But when Chipotle said homo estas, I <laughs> laughed. I laughed a good, healthy laugh. <laughs> like, that was funny. <laughs> and extremely clever. It is. <laughs> and then low-key, I kind of want to feel it. <laughs> like, we start, that's how we start greeting each other. Yeah. Homo estas. <laughs> that's funny. That's good shit. Was- I don't know. Pride Month is like it's so it's such a weird time because I a part of me genuinely loves Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Like being everybody's all excited and talking about being gay and doing gay shit together, just like all these events and stuff like that. But it is really annoying that it comes also with all the corporations and all their rainbow shit, mm-hmm. and then also everyone being outraged at the corporations. Rightfully so. I just get tired of having the same conversation every every year. year. Like, yeah. They're going to do it, y'all. Like we, yeah. I saw that tornado with all the Pride logos, that meme. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It's coming, like, no less than five billion times. <laughs> yeah. And we all we all know it's coming at this point. So you either just going to roll your eyes or you're going to laugh. But those are the only two things. Because we can't keep talking about this every year. We know the we know Oreos going to have their little gay Oreos. Right. We know Doritos going to come up with a little rainbow pack. Right. right. All these corporations don't give a fuck about this. They want the money. They want the notoriety. Like, right. At least it. Burger King and Chipotle got a little creative with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes. Y'all just let me enjoy this Pride Month. <laughs> it's also a crucial time for people who often present as femme, who also are attracted to people who um, present as femme, because now we're all identifiable during this month. It makes it easier <laughs> to go, you know, yeah. out into the world and find opportunities yeah <laughs> out here in the broad day Let me enjoy it <laughs> yeah um not, not, a, not a crime, crime. Yeah, yeah not a crime not a crime not a crime um should we do the cat one real quick yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so we found an article so the gist of it is this woman paid five thousand dollars to have her beloved dead kitty cat stuffed so that they could be together forever and this is a story, or it, I've heard of things like this before. 
And I do really want to know how people feel about it. Like, because I even feel weird about like when people keep like someone's hair in a locket Mm -hmm. or like that person that got her dead brother's locks like installed into her head, which I know is a different kind of spiritual conversation. But for me, like I would, that would cause me discomfort. Mm -hmm. It weirds me out on an individual level. And if I went to someone's house and they had it, I would be weirded out by them. (laughs) But from a distance, just reading about it, okay, you could be weird over there. I think it's just our culture's relationship with death. Yeah, that's probably it as well. Thinking about like this is a corpse, (laughs) like that is your whole dead animal, girl. And then they don't never so taxidermy animals ain't never in like a. It's never just like they be looking fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> they always look overstuffed or they look understuffed or something. And then it's like, what are they gonna be like this in the corner, just sitting there the whole time? Like it's just you I can never make that look cute. Good. Let me see. Wait, let me go. It looks like the cat is just asleep. It does. That would make me sad. I think she says that the cat was like her child. I, they were Aww. hit by a car. I feel like maybe she needs to, like, talk with someone. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe it's perfectly healthy. I mean, I, I think it's a really good point that LOI made that, like, our relationship with death isn't really, like, we're, like, repulsed by death mm-hmm. or anything having to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think about, like, cultures who, when family members die, they keep the body, like, in the house, like, in the living room for people to come visit. For a long time, Which yeah. is something I could never handle. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, what? No. Yeah. But that's a very spiritual... <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. That would just be so intense for me. But that's yeah. a very spiritual thing for some folks and brings them the whatever piece that they need. And I think that's perfectly fine. I, yeah. I think in... I'm the- not coming. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be across the street. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing the services and the repass. I'm trying to get some fried chicken. But I live a card in the mailbox. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like in that vein, it makes sense. And the reason why I said maybe she should talk to somebody is I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's not like a thing where she can't let go. That looks, what is going on? It's this cord. And every time I accidentally touch it. Oh, it's like Sorry. sensitive. Oh, that's fine. Um, that's like super realistic. Yeah. And I feel like like my dog from when I was a kid, I feel like if I saw a super realistic like ant like stuffed animal, like yeah, that would make me sad. Yeah. Yeah. Or it would make me feel like I can't move forward from them mm-hmm. passing away. She did specifically say that she loves the cat so much she couldn't bring herself to bury or cremate him. So I think there may be some Maybe, yeah. She also says it's the best decision she's ever made. Mm. Okay. I, mean, I just don't. I don't. I don't want a dead animal's skin in my house. No, it's like I don't. It's gonna remind me that they're dead. It's gonna remind me that they're never gonna move from that position ever again. And I'd rather just the earth just have them back because mm-hmm. that's where we belong anyway. Not even on some like I don't know her tip shit, but like. <laughs> 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 we made from we made from dirt and so when you die when you stop you know fucking eating and breathing and shitting all over the place like yeah. that's exactly where you're gonna go and that's where we belong so like i don't i don't want to stop that process i it's agree with that okay. i want a home funeral <clears throat> i, I recently learned about that so i either want to be buried directly into the ground mm-hmm. like with no clothes no don't put no chemicals or anything in me so i get because i don't know i feel weird about like I'm not super spiritual or religious, but I just feel like it fucks up the process of your 
spirit or mm-hmm. like whatever's supposed to happen next, which we don't know what that is. I yeah. just feel like it would be a hindrance to like do yourself a disservice. Yeah. So I wouldn't want that or to be burned on a raft and pushed out the sea, which I know is incredibly unrealistic. You a pirate friend? Yes. <laughs> I want to be, I want a Viking funeral. <laughs> I um, love that. But I just learned about home funerals, which are only illegal, I think, in like two or three states, where basically like you can have a death doula come in and like wrap your body and like clean you and stuff like that, prepare you for your family. And then like, it also costs significantly less than a funeral because funerals be costing like $20,000 right. for a while. Um, but then you can be buried like in like a pine box or like a fan you can be cremated like you get to still have options but mm-hmm. it's like way more low-key and natural mm-hmm. and so in that vein i agree with you i'm gonna put my animals back into the earth so that like you know whatever they got going on on the other side if there is anything that they can like access that i don't know yeah because yeah. it could have it became like a little patch of grass or some roses right or you know like mm-hmm. um what do people do? They'll build, they'll like um, bury their pets and then plant like a tree over mm-hmm. it or something mm-hmm. and then have that plant representation. I feel like that's more my speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same. definitely. Not so much I'm a stuffed Pugsley and just. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if I came to your house and you had a stuffed pug, somehow being a pug makes it so much worse. Because <laughs> the face, the little cage in face. Yeah, no. no. I would leave and never return. I probably would even say anything. <laughs> I also just don't love Bill said it much. Like, I don't know. You be driving me crazy. You, know you be waking me up at four in the morning to about so why ain't no food in my bowl. And I'm like, always trying to come in the bathroom while I'm sitting on the toilet and stuff like that. Like, love you to death, girl, but like, it's, it's just how to go. Like, <laughs> We're parting ways. The universe saw it fit. I'm not going to stop that from happening. <laughs> If you ain't never gotta wake me up no more, I mean, hey, but <laughs> can you imagine? You like walking down the stairs to get a glass of water in the middle of the night, and the no. light hits your your, your <laughs> stuck dead cat's eyes. Oh, they get no. the little mirrors, the little, oh, you know. Okay. Oh my god, because cats already have like a spooky aura about them in Most general. Definitely. Yeah, like must be that. I definitely want to tattoo a kitty, you know, when her time does come. Oh, what about uh, Stokely's not my cat. Oh. Stokely is Kitty's kitten. I love her. We just don't have the same relationship. Stokely, you heard that? I be telling her all the time. (laughs) I love her. But we just be in a a different space. I can't believe Stokely is Kitty's kitten. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wild to me. She like the mama. Right. (laughs) But yeah, I guess ultimately I don't think it's a crime. Yeah, it's not a crime. It just causes me personal discomfort. And if you're my friend and you do that, give me a heads up. Because, you know, maybe we can meet up at my place. <laughs> you want to go to happy hour? Because I don't know. <laughs> Movie night at your house doesn't suit. <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't. <laughs> Especially if it jumps. If I say move. <laughs> If anything happens, oh no. <laughs> right. I hear a creak and they fall off the shelf or some shit. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I'm a fire. <laughs> Listen, we can't even watch no movies with cap noises in it because I'm going to be straight. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a crime. I just think it's a taboo. Yeah. That's yeah. a good good word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good luck, girl. Um, I hope that you find in the peace that you attempted to find with your stuffed yeah. furry friend. Dating in your transition with your... You know, I hope you're able to love some of the pets because there's 
you're still going to have a long life ahead of you and you still have a lot of love to give mm -hmm. after that pet died. So I hope you can open your heart <laughs> to another little kitty. Yeah. A living one. Who needs you to feed them every day because they still alive. <laughs> right. In the middle of the night at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Cool. Right. Yeah. Another episode in the books. Yeah. Thanks for all the listens. We are still just amazed every time we check our stats yeah thanks for engaging us in the discussion group yes that's what amazing now i see what you, before i was like i don't know if I'm, I'm a little anxious talking to fans but then i like getting into this, the discussion group now i'm like oh this yeah. is so cool yeah, yeah. I, like it. I like getting the real feedback because like right. i know we feel like we're doing a good job and it's fun and all that but it's nice to hear that people enjoy it too yeah speaking of that you can um follow us on instagram Facebook and TikTok at Iona Killer Podcast or on Twitter at Iona Killer Pod. And that Facebook group that we were just talking about, please join. It is Iona Killer Podcast Discussion Group. Yeah. And you can listen to us anywhere where you can find podcasts. Stitcher, we got the big two, Apple and Spotify. And we're going away on Facebook if we haven't already went away. So you can't listen to us straight from the page anymore. Okay. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Bye, Killabees. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I, this is this is all topic, so we can say this for off the record if I want to. But um, this there's this movie on Amazon Prime called Emergency. Okay. That shit is so fucking good. Oh wait, is it the? It's almost like satirical, and they find that white girl passed out. Yes. I want to watch it's it. It's so good. I didn't realize it was already out. I didn't I'm think it was gonna tonight. be. I didn't think it was gonna be beautiful. Like I was oh, like, oh, okay, cute. Like oh, this is like a satire. It's gonna be like Get Out, and then they're gonna add like a little. It's gonna be like a little bit more niggerish than Get Out. Right. I watched it. I literally cried. Oh damn. Like, okay, we'll watch it tonight. You know, it was it was such a beautiful moment, and I love when they do like. I don't know when they do like really authentic raw moments between black men mm -hmm. and it just mm -hmm. feels so real and it doesn't feel like preachy or like they're trying too hard to like you know who gives me that energy that nigga who played the security guard and get out um yeah bianca lawson's isn't he friends with bianca no he's yeah friends he's Ms. friends tina. with miss tina yeah it's model real this the security guard and get out or the the, the TSA agent? yeah yeah mm -hmm. no Laurel yeah. yeah he just seems like a really cool guy to me yeah I feel like he should lead com lead conversations with other black men mm -hmm. yeah, anyway. Lakeith Sanfield is just he's so fun to me I love him he's so he's fun so. to me as well <laughs> and he a weird nigga so I know the dick is good I know it is <laughs> and he's like got that that lanky thing going right. yeah like string bean weird niggas they got the, the, the they got the string bean hanging between listen listen you know what the fuck I'm talking about listen okay all this is gonna be an outtake alright <laughs>